Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Rachel Gardner. And with me, Martin Saunders. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. And the very exciting news flash at the beginning of this podcast is that both Martin and I have had our lunch because we're doing this after lunch. But my lunch was courtesy of the Golden Arches. The oh, Golden Arches. Oh. Yes. How long did you have to queue for that? Not long. I was expecting an hour. My little boy in the back began to nap and I thought, that's fine. I can sit in a queue. And my daughter in the front was quite happy doing her schoolwork, aka playing on my phone. And uh, so I thought, <laughs> this is great. And actually, we got through quite quickly. Limited menu. But as we started munching, my eight-year-old said, oh, mummy, this is good. Was it? <laughs> and that's what I'm interested in. Because, so what did you have, first of all? We let other, other hamburger outlets are available. What did you have? They have. So we had two Happy Meals. So yeah. one had chicken, not doing fish fingers, and then not doing wraps. Uh, so they're, they're socially distancing, can't do much. So we had chicken nuggets in one, and we had a, a cheeseburger in the other. And then I had those lovely, and this is the risk to KFC, those lovely long chicken dippers. Oh, the chicken selects. Oh, so Rach, good. I didn't know you and I had the same McDonald's order. Do we have the same That's McDonald's what I get. <gasps> it's, sim- it's simple, but it's good, isn't it? So like, good. There's, no, there's no mess. It's all so a bit beige. A bit beige. Yeah, it's very beige. It's you can good. have that with the chips, and it's all one colour. But you know what the worst thing is, is when you get it home and they haven't put the dips in and you've just got, oh. you've got plain, plain no, things. That's true. Well, that's we, we had the sweet chilli dip, but we didn't have tomato ketchup. And nice. my eight-year-old wanted us to go back and I was like, look at that. Exactly. Then the other thing that's terrible to announce, we had then four families that we were delivering food parcels to. And because yeah. I was sat in the car eating this McDonald's and because for a couple of the dear folks, I have to like climb lots of flights of steps and, and I get quite close to them with my mask and everything. All of them went, oh, you've had McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> the family that I delivered to you could totally smell it on me. I was like, yeah, come close. Have a win. <laughs> Uh, one, one guy today we were delivering to so he didn't smell me but this guy he lowers down a rope out of his flat and he ties the bag of stuff that I get and he pulls it up into the oh, really? hilarious people have got really inventive in Preston to wow. get their uh, deliveries yeah I've always right. wondered what a Rachel Gardner you know scent would would be you know if you <laughs> if you release like one of the like Beyonce if you released your own perfume and uh, uh, Oda Rachel Gardner is, uh, is McDonald's. Wow, that's... Um... That does. And the other one, because we're in lockdown, let us overshare because we haven't talked too well, much Even about more our... than you already are. Yeah, or even more. Our dysfunction. So the other thing is, that, of course, washing clothes in washing machines. If you don't get them out quite quick, they begin to smell. Yeah. In lockdown, doesn't matter. No. So actually today, I'm wearing clothes that are a bit stinky. So I'm a bit stinky and McDonald's. So... But they, they're smelly, smelly but clean. <laughs> Smell the clean, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, that's, oh, so that's there we go, awesome. Martin. How are you? How you know, are I'm you? worried, Rachel. I'm worried, Rachel, that Amy, producer Amy, is going to edit all of that out. She will. She's she will. content, Amy. Leave that in. She, she cares for us. That's why. She, <laughs> she loves us too much to leave us to our own devices. She's a bit like God that way. But anyway, Martin. Yeah. So how are you? This is. Um, yeah. I don't know what week we're up. We were kind of counting it off at the beginning. That says a lot that we don't know the number now, isn't it? Week 700. Uh, I, Week 700. 
I don't know. Do you know, I was thinking, I don't know whether we've talked about this very much. I don't know whether I've been honest about this, but um, so I'm homeschooling four children between the ages of six and 14, uh, three days a week. And we made the decision we could, there are different ones of them that could have gone back for bits of time, particularly our, our youngest who's in year one could have gone back, but then he'd have been the only one going back and, and the rest mm. of his siblings would have been at home. So we made the decision, even though my wife is teaching um, for me to carry on homeschooling Monday to Wednesday, it is, it is hard work. Mm. I'll just, I, I want to be honest. It is hard work. And, um, it is sometimes hard to get things done. I am um, often having to start work, you know, at six in the morning, then stop mm. at half seven, restart at four in the afternoon, work till eight, um, you know, and it's tiring. And it's, mm. I, I don't know whether I've actually explicitly said that. I, obviously, as you know, I tried to cultivate this superhero image. <laughs> <laughs> I don't laugh. But, um, well. <laughs> but, it is, but it is hard. Like, I don't know how much longer I can keep this up for. That's the truth. And I think there'll be other people in that boat as well feeling like, and I know you, I know you have a similar story. Like mm. it is tough going, isn't it? Not quite the numbers though. I, I have two, but only one needs to be educated. The other one I can kind of slightly leave to Lego and Paw Patrol, but you know, it is, it is tough. And I think it's good to say, and I, as a, as a woman, as a woman, uh, I do appreciate hearing men saying it. I, I really appreciate it. And I, I think if I, you slightly sending me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So you and Amy will need to pull me back in a minute. But I, right, most, I, of this, I, most of this will be on the cutting room floor. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm struggling at the moment in that anytime I'm on Zoom, um, lovely male colleagues, leaders will often at the beginning say, what are you really enjoying about lockdown? And another male leader will say, oh, the pace. The pace has slowed. Yeah. I can read. I can listen to the Lord. No. I, can, I can write. I can do. And, uh, and they get to me and my children are running around in the background, like throwing slime at each other. And, uh, and I just say, I, I don't know. I don't know what the treasures no. in life. I know there are some, but actually I'm just at the moment barely, barely hanging on. And, and that isn't, it's hashtag not all women, hashtag not all men. But I find it so, so helpful when I hear that men are leaning into the parenting bit and leading into to the chaos, really, because I think it just it helps a little bit for not to feel like this is a women's issue because it's actually just yeah. a life issue, a parenting yeah. issue. Yeah, do you think is. I'm going to push you further? Do you, yes. and, and again, do not hold myself up as a hero by any means. Um, and in fact, if you sp speak to my wife, that's established immediately. <laughs> but, um, but do you feel like we're seeing a subtle reemergence of traditional gender values in this time? Well, I, I think we are. And I think probably I'm, I'm hoping that where I'm seeing it, it's because a partnership have kind of come to that decision rather yeah. than they've just slipped into it. Mm. Um, so I know that's true for me and, and Jace. We are looking quite traditional, but we've kind of made that choice yeah. as opposed to it inflicted. Um, I think where I'm disappointed about the lack of gender equality is that a lot of what I'm, if I take snapshots of what I see online in terms of church, people who's, who are preaching, the Zoom conversations I'm part of, if there is a woman in the screen, she's silent. So that whole thing about women on mute, she's not on mute, but effectively she has to wait until the man next to her says, oh, now what do you think, darling? Yeah. And um, so I think there's a little bit of that that I'm seeing a bit more of, which, which really frustrates me. Um, 
and also the conversations about the future of church being digital. At the moment, I'm only really hearing male voices leading on that. And I, and I want to know what women leaders think and, 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 yeah, and why I'm not hearing more women speak into that space maybe because we're not sure about it we don't particularly agree or we're actually quite busy doing other things <laughs> we haven't got time so I don't so I'm not sure what I'm seeing but what I'm seeing I I hope I don't see much more of once mm. once this begins to ease does that that sounds quite cryptic no no, no I don't uh, you know it's interesting we've talked about this before on the podcast but um again I'm generalizing but I've found that women usually want to read up and learn about mm -hmm. and feel confident about some having something to offer if they're going to speak up on a on mm -hmm. a subject so you know if if somebody hasn't um previously kind of known much about online platforms on online broadcasting connecting with people online and they're mm -hmm. a woman they're probably naturally reticent to suddenly just speak out on it whereas mm -hmm. men often not always <laughs> seem quite confident just to go if you you i know plenty of guys if you ask them to speak on almost anything they're like yeah i'll do you a two-hour <laughs> seminar on that what is it again you know and, and i do think that is an interesting difference between the genders isn't it so i wonder if we're it seeing is. some of that play out yeah and i wonder if in youth ministry that the gender balance is a lot better and mm. I wonder if what, what we're seeing is what's exposed is what's actually going on. So where in the UK youth ministry community, actually, we, we, we do really well, actually, around thinking about who is heard and who has platforms and, and lots of youth workers, you know, are just getting on with it. But maybe what we see exposed in other net set settings is actually a little bit more of that old school view. So, yes, yeah, so it's interesting. So, Martin, good on you. More power to your bow. And thank you for being honest about that. Oh. Um, and been many times at Youthscape that you've not many times there's been a few times at Youthscape that you've not been able to come to things or do things because you've you've stayed at home to look after a sick child even a particular royal visitation yeah that you couldn't be at because your family holiday was in and I remember saying to you actually every woman in the organization is slightly safer now because one of the men have said actually I have something I need to be at, whether it's caring for a child or a relative or, you know, feeding a pot plant, whatever it is. Actually, there are, you know, priorities. Mm. And I think, I think often women do pick up the burden of care, don't they? So when mm. a man says, I can't be at something important because I'm caring for somebody else, I think we're like, oh, good. That's good. That's really good news for, for the rest of us. So, Well, as you hey. know, I, I would always try and make a joke at this point, but I don't want to disarm you. It's <laughs> a little awkward. So I'm just going to let it sit. sit for a second Let's um, let me tell you something on which a lot of people are probably going to get cross with me uh over good we yeah. just we've just released a, a an article on the youthscape website which i wrote it's about time i wrote something i used to write loads of articles i've done, done it for ages um and i've written something on just something that i am concerned about maybe i see um, it's interesting because it, i might be completely wrong it's one of the first times i've written something where i i genuinely could in two weeks time we proved a complete fool. Um, not the Ooh. first time I've done that, actually. Why, why do you think you could be wrong? Well, because my point is, I think we might be about to see another wave of real societal demonization of young people. Oh. I feel like young people might be about to become the scapegoat for mm. concerns around COVID-19 and a second spike or, or us not getting out of it so quickly. And 
And of course, there's a chance that that might not happen. I hope that doesn't happen. In fact, I hope, mm. yeah, I hope I'm completely wrong. But I tell you what, I've just noticed at the sort of ground level of anything from reading people's social media posts to seeing people in the park talking and, and mm. things like that, I've just noticed a wave of, of people looking down on young people and their behavior in this time. Um, and particularly young, young people, I think you said this, Rachel, young people who don't look like our young people, young people who, you know, the, the, the rougher element, we yeah. don't so much uh, feel so comfortable about anyway. Uh, mm. You know, those, um, uh, those young people uh, who it's easier to other. Yes. I feel like there's, a, there's already a growing sense of like um, young people aren't being responsible in this time. Yeah. And that, of course, that puts away all the stuff that we've previously said, puts to one side all the stuff we've said about how hard this time is for young people to process. And it just says, it just makes a scapegoat. And it says, look, they're not following the rules. Um, and of course, like, let, let's be honest, in some cases, young people aren't absolutely following the rules. It's worth saying in lots of cases, they absolutely are. Like I've seen big groups yeah, of young yes. people in the park sitting in a group of six, three yeah. meters apart, not two, yeah. um, you know, all their own knives and forks doing everything they're supposed to do. And I honestly think that's the majority. Um, but of course, yeah. some young people like some older people are not observing the rules in the same way. And so I have a, a little concern. So I've written an article. It's, it's on the Youthscape website now. Uh, and it's basically outlining that worry, but more importantly, some things I think youth leaders might need to get ready to do in response. I think it's an excellent article and I think you wrote it really quick and I love that about it because it has that punch to it. It has that one thought that you just went, I'm just going to get it out there. And I love articles like that because I think, I think we're so used to a society having content delivered to us that is incredibly polished and every possible angle has been kind of grilled. But I quite like it when people put something out there that's a little bit raw mm. and a little bit open-ended because actually that 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 is the world we we are operating it's not it's not it's very very messy it's not neat life is not neat and i think when i um when i had a little look at your article i just thought what i love about it is it's reminding us that young young one of the beautiful things about young people is they do not perform to society's agenda um but they're held to a much higher standard and so because the performance of young people isn't walking around somber faced you know making a massive deal about walking 10 yards away from you when they come around the corner um because they're not performing like that even them just walking down the road with a smile jaunty smile on their face is enough to kind of goad an anxious generation that already has some latent fears about about youth power like if young people get together something will happen they'll do something because they've got all this these hormones running around so i think i really like that article but it, it made me ask the questions like actually yeah i what how do we want our young people to perform and i think it it kind of spins really neatly with what we're about to talk about now because on the one hand i think adults when they're brought to their attention that young people are facing lots of loss they're genuinely concerned about that but actually, on the other hand, they don't want young people to have fun <laughs> yeah. and, and to have an, a kind of a carefree time. So young people are caught between this. You know, do you want us to all walk around looking depressed and like we've got the world on the shoulders? You know, and, and I think so. I think it's very difficult for young people probably to and, and their brains are not so well developed enough to kind of quite be able to consciously analyze that's what's going on. But they pick mm. up straight away 
there's something that I'm doing that you are not happy with and I'm not sure what it is. Mm. And that's deeply confusing for young people to pick up. I don't know what I've done wrong, but I know just my presence. And what do young people do with that? They internalize that as shame. But their yeah. shame radar is so quick to pick up stuff mm. like that. So I think you're absolutely right. The vast majority of young people, they won't know why society is looking at them funny just mm. by being out with a mate on their phone in a park. No. And I, I'm raging about it too. So good on you. There's, 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 on you. there's something I didn't say in there, of course, around when you're young, like physically, you struggle to perceive distance and, and stuff in the same way. Like young people actually do sometimes crash into each other and, you know, um, uh, like you become clumsy in your teenage years, don't you? So, so yes. some of it just actually is a factor of being young. And mm. some of it is a factor of like, we've locked them up for weeks and yeah. weeks on end. In some cases, they're being left at home for hours because they're, they're, their parents or carers have got to mm. go to work or are key workers, but there's mm. no space for them anywhere. Um, and, you know, there's a whole mental health time bomb that we've talked about, but not really addressed. There's um, the fact that they're not getting mentioned anywhere in, um, mm-hmm. uh, in the, the broadcast from the government or, or any public discourse. All of that stuff is going on in the background. Mm. You mm. can't look at, therefore, you can't just take one incident of walking walking through the park in a group of six in isolation to all of that other stuff it's yes. very complicated we yes. we have a duty to care for our young people they are Absolutely. vulnerable they're vulnerable they not they're not vulnerable in the sense of um uh you know the, they appear not to be too vulnerable to the virus but i think they're among the most vulnerable groups in terms of the the long-term effects mm. the societal mm. effects of the virus so Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think we, we, we were beginning to say this, weren't we, you and I, right at the beginning of lockdown, like, oh my goodness, what's going what's gonna to come out of this? And I think we've, you and I have both been slightly brewing with rage about this for quite a long time, fearing this might happen and seeing it. And, and even today, out and about in Preston, taking my food packages around, it is groups of young people that are out. And, and actually seeing the, the numbers of them, it makes me want to kind of get a megaphone and shout on our local housing estate, all you adults that have managed to keep young people in for the last 11 weeks good on you because yeah, you've yeah. obviously done it because now they're not and like there's yeah. loads of them so yeah. ha- well done like well done you guys good good work i i wouldn't want to try to be keeping three a 15 year old a 17 year old an 11 year old in the house that would be very difficult in flats and the rest of it so it's a great answer i do recommend people you you have a read of it have a think like think about your own context what 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 is going on how are young people emerging in your setting and what might be some of the things that you can do i think i really think detached youth work has got to be hitting the ground quite yeah quite solidly and we can begin to do that now um so I, i'm excited about that but also we've got we've got to be doing it that leads neatly into um some things we want to talk about today yes. because we want to chat about loss yeah and about grief and about bereavement our, in our church we've had two bereavements one one was last night one of the young guys not a teenager but a young man at our church who was supposed to be getting married in two weeks time oh um so i went round to see his fiance this morning um but i think it's interesting isn't it just that the the layers of we're, we're seeing the impact of covid19 where young people are already experiencing it and how are they processing how are they mm. processing that so martin in your context i know you can't speak particulars but how are the young people in your youth group how how are they processing loss? Are they are they sort of talking about the things that they've not 
got access to or they can't do or the people they've lost are they chatting about that stuff yeah i think it's interesting i i think broadly speaking in my context most young people are doing okay Mm. and and some of this stuff might only surface later on Mm. those of those of them that have lost a family member have experienced that really acutely in a way that i've not seen previously so we've you know i've been around long enough to see young people lose a grandparent for example in the past mm. but i've never seen young people completely unable to know what to do with that part of it of course is um one one case we had somebody who there was no you couldn't have a funeral um but another another story where that they're actually they were able to have a physical fu- funeral and he he found that incredibly difficult as well but um but i think mm-hmm. for the majority they they're not thinking too much about this at the moment for those that have it got some clear example of something they've lost or someone that they've lost it's harder than ever to process it because they don't have the framework they don't have the tools mm-hmm. they don't have the usual signposts the usual kind of markers of grief mm-hmm. but it's there um I can't imagine what it must be like to not be able to attend a family member's funeral. Um, Mm. So we definitely need help. And there are a bunch of really great kind of organizations and individuals who are trying to work in this area. And you Mm. have caught up with one of them this week. So this week, yeah, I I caught up with Pete, who's, I've known Pete actually for for years. There are some um, youth workers and people involved with young people that you sort of travel with for a long time. So I've known Pete for a long time and he's CEO of a wonderful charity called At A Loss, um, really equipping children's workers and youth workers and uh, mental health professionals and school teachers to support young people when they're experiencing loss and trauma so he had just come off a big call to loads of nurses and doctors and people in the LHS so the poor man was completely exhausted and I grilled him about how do we as youth workers you don't have the training that counsellors or psychotherapists would have but but are, but are being flung into a space so we want to support young people with all that they're facing and all that they're losing whether that's their school prom or chance to you know say goodbye to their year six teacher or or the death of someone that they they love i just asked him a few questions like how could we understand a bit what they're going through and be able to support them in this space so this is pete from atalos brilliant pete it's so wonderful to see your lovely face i can't remember the last time i actually saw you it was a few years ago wasn't it yeah it was down in luton all those yes years all those years ago and uh, i have to say that you have the most beautiful view behind you i mean you have the most beautiful face but behind yeah. you is the most beautiful view of this very gorgeous garden are it you is gorgeous are you isn't it? and those flowers i picked yeah. those this morning put them on the window ledge oh, and uh, yeah it's so lovely. Yeah, we've got so a great lovely. house and a great garden. Very blessed. Wonderful. Well, tell us, before we get stuck into this really important conversation, what is your lockdown experience like? Like, in a nutshell, how are you doing? My lockdown experience? Well, it, um, we moved um, up to around Evesham in December, just before lockdown. And at first we ended up with my son and his wife staying with us for three weeks. He basically got stuck. So um, my poor wife, she had me working in one room, Graham in one room and his wife. We were all on like Zoom conference calls and I was like trying to get loads of training about safeguarding and all that stuff, Mm. you know, like all of us were, you know, how to work 
with kids online and all mm. that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're like out in the middle of nowhere. So we, M- Mandy and I go out for walks and um, don't see that many people really, Lovely. which is really oh. nice. That's lovely. I'm glad you've been able to get out and about. And I'm glad there weren't too many fights over who had like priority <laughs> access to Zoom all those days. Well, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I want to start the conversation quite serious, if that's okay. Um, I think we know, don't we, that in our culture, death is often hidden from view. And I don't know if other youth ministries are like this, but as a youth worker, I rarely talk about death actually with young people. But suddenly since lockdown and since this pandemic, conversations about loss, about grief, bereavement, death, suddenly have come much, much closer to home. So, so Pete, what is it that you're currently seeing? And then we'd love you to chat to us about what you think we might see as lockdown emerges. So, so, so currently, give us some little insight. What, what are you seeing in terms of how young people are processing loss, grief, yeah. change? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, loss, um, bereavement, the word actually means to be robbed of something or somebody. So I think that helps in a way, because if you think about, I was talking to a student the other day, um, and the things that they've been robbed of, you know, routine, community, freedom, security, and just you think about the year 11s, you know, um, the prom, you know, been robbed of their prom. They've been robbed of going mad on the last day of school. All of that stuff, um, and then they're stuck at home. And um, yeah, and sadly, of course, some of them have experienced loss of members of family, or you know, friends or neighbours. And so we've got no template, have we, for this? Um, yeah, it's nowhere because you know I'm a counsellor. Um, but normally we can go in our little filing cabinet in our head and go, oh, yes, I know what funerals look like. Um, yeah, I'll have a look in my little filing cabinet marked funeral. Um, mm. And we know we might not like it, but at least we've got a bit of a reference point. Mm, absolutely. I think you, you were telling me off air a beautiful story, a very poignant story about a student oh. trying to explain what the loss of the end of year 11 feels like. Can you just tell yeah. us that story? It was amazing. I was, um, as I often do, you know, I, I pick the brains of my students to get ideas. Um, and um, I was saying, you know, how do you feel? Because this was a high achieving year 11 who was really upset that they didn't get to do their exams. Um, and I said, yeah, it's a bit like a bereavement, isn't it? It's a bit like a loss. And um, she said, yeah, it's a bit like we started writing this book in year seven and we sort of know, you know, we've already peaked at the last bit where it ends. Um, but it's like someone's ripped out the last few pages and it's like, mm, I don't know what the ending is. And what, what does that do to young people's sort of psyche that, that, that they've been robbed of these key transition moments? Because I guess what you're saying is it's all those goodbyes, isn't it? It's the ability to close down one stage of your life or the end of the year group. What, hap- what do you think is happening within sort of young people's psyche as they, as they can't do that? What happens to that? Well, I think, I mean, this is where youth leaders, you know, need to just be talking to their youth groups about this stuff. So what's going to happen 
We don't really know. I was looking at some stuff on the Anna Freud Center's website, and they, they are looking a bit at young people in China and what's happening to them. They are seeing some um, post-traumatic stress and trauma already, but there are 1.27 billion children who are not in school at the moment in the world. And school closures have affected 72% of the world's pupil school population. Uh, you know, I can't even get my head around. I don't do statistics, but mm. that is huge. It's huge, isn't it? And, and, and as you say, that's the macro, the big picture. And yeah. I think in our own way, all of us are touching the micro. Either we have in our own homes, in our own families, restless yeah. teenagers, children, or in the youth groups that we serve, we, we're beginning to see, Martin and I, um, Pete was saying, like when, when six weeks of lockdown happened, it's almost like we, could, we were saying, well, we've kind of got in our brains, we can do a six-week summer holiday. But the moment we yeah. tipped into seven weeks, and now we're sort of 12, 13, 14 weeks yeah. in the season, the whole of the summer up to September stretching out ahead of us. Suddenly, we're all dealing with yeah. this unknown territory. So um, let's get practical then. What can we as youth ministers and youth volunteers do to help the young people in our youth work process whatever the loss is that they're facing? Can you give us some, some ideas? Where do we start? Well, I guess the general loss of routine, you know, if you're in year 11, what's the motivation for doing anything? But, but we all need routine. We need to get up at a, you know, a particular time and we need to go outside, get some fresh air. We need to eat, etc., etc. We need to spend time on our game consoles or whatever, but we need some routine. Kate Middleton, you know, Kate, the yeah. psychologist, yeah. Kate, in a Zoom uh, she did at Soul Survivor in Watford, she was saying... Uh, we sort of need handholds, uh, a bit like when you rock climbing. Not that I ever do rock climbing, but yeah. you sort of know where to put your hand and you know roughly where the next foothold and stuff is. And that's what like routines are like for our brains. We sort of know where we're going. So the children that we work with who, you know, the parents are like, yep, I set the routine for the for my child and they do homework till two o'clock then they have two hours where they do whatever they like etc etc that's great but of course we're not all you know some of the children that we work with are very low in their resilience and their families you know weren't coping anyway um, before mm. covid and lockdown mm. Absolutely. So routines are helping young people find a routine that that works for them, doesn't it? That kind of gets them up, gets them washed, gets them motivated. But but if we have young people in our youth group who maybe there is a family, they've lost a family member or they're not able to see family members. I'm just thinking in my own youth work, actually, there's a, a, a nurse and her son at one time was having to live with different family members because she as a nurse is working on a COVID death ward and that was, you know, huge for the family to deal with. Yeah. So what, I mean, this feels like an area for me as someone who's not an expert in counselling that I just feel quite overwhelmed by. What, what would be advice yeah. or things that, that we could do in those situations? I mean, a lot of it, I mean, I run listening people, you know, the project at a loss, but a lot of it is just, it is just listening to our young people and letting them talk and not jumping in with a, yeah, but at least you saw them last month, you know, before they died, you know, you were able to see them, weren't you? No, just listen, you know, and just, yeah, just say, boy, that that is so hard. Mm. And, you know, as Christians, you know, the, the temptation is to 
chuck in a Bible verse, you know. <laughs> but, you know, is that to make us feel better or is it to make them? So listening is really, really important, keeping regular contact, um, encouraging them to, to think through who is it that's there that I can talk to. It might not be mum and dad, it might be Auntie Gladys down the road, or it might be, mm. you know, uh, the, the lady down the road that they pop in and visit. You know, she's a really good listener. Mm. Make sure they've got someone and they're identifying that that person oh that's tremendous that's really helpful there might be some youth workers listening to this who really tragically they have young people in their youth groups who may have lost a family member or a friend to covid i mean what what can we do in those situations pete um, yeah it's so sad isn't it that the, this is happening i mean and, and the hard one of the really difficult things is this not being able to attend the funeral i i always encourage parents to allow their child to attend the funeral you know is there a way that they can be involved can they choose a piece of music or or could a parent have some of the the flowers and maybe the young person could have a flower to just press or maybe they could write a poem um, or plant plant a plant plant a plant no. you know? I was just thinking about that, actually. Um, it would need to be a perennial, wouldn't it? Are they the ones that yeah. come back every year? Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't want yeah. it, like, dying, would you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, or can they put something in the coffin? Or can they write a tribute to be read out? You know, 92% of young people um, under 16, I think it is, have experienced the death of a significant person, significant to them, so not attending the funeral, saying goodbye when you can't say goodbye. Um, some of these, by the way, are pinched from Winston's Wish website, so they're not original. Visiting a place that had a special memory. So even if it's just the local park, you used to walk the dog with granddad around the park. Visiting a place. Um, and if that park has got, you know, got got a, uh, a lake or something, you could float some flowers off in the lake or something like that. Um, putting a collection, this is original, putting a collection of memories together. Maybe go around, record some of your relatives, you know, get a little sound bites, stick it all together, make a little file, memory file, uh, do a PowerPoint, light a candle. I bought bought all of my youth group battery-operated candles, you know, mm. and I posted them out to them. So you, you post, I'm thinking so many of these ideas are, are so great because they're physical, you can do it. And at the moment, yeah. some of the struggle is that we can't always see and be with the young people that we serve. Yeah. And so some of these things suddenly are more difficult. Yeah. I love that idea of posting a little candle out. And, candle um, and then lighting it. You know, if you're in a Zoom meeting with, with yeah. them, lighting your candle, lighting their candle. One of my students um, came up with this idea having a, a big teddy and um, having like a t-shirt from the person who died and putting that t-shirt on the teddy and then you can you know give it a big yeah, hug yeah. I like I really like that yeah. that one there might be some young people who we work with who are experiencing all the kind of psychological impact of loss so not at school not at their sports clubs or hanging out in there with their friends and yet they might not realize that what they're experiencing yeah. is loss how, how would we as youth workers know that, you know, how, how would we spot that that's what they're experiencing? I, mean, I guess, are there signs that we could be looking out for to help us understand that? I think 
just norm uh, affirming them in what's going on. So they may not realize. I remember my um, my neighbour died when I was about twelve, and I grew up with my grandma, and that lady next door was like a mum, and I was like in my head, I'm like. Yeah, but I'm not related to her, so why am I so upset? I don't have any right to be upset. So I had this little conversation in my head. Um, but I was devastated, you know, and I wish a youth worker had come alongside me and sort of said, you know what, that person was really important to you. Um, so I think we don't actually, you know, saying to a young person, like I said to this student the other day, actually, you've suffered a lot of loss, haven't you, in the past few weeks? You know, just think, you haven't had your prom, you know, you didn't get a chance to go mad on the last day of term, and then they chipped in with extra stuff. Like, oh, yeah, and this happened and this one. Um, I asked them the other day to just remind me of those. And they said, well, where do I start? How much time have you got? And they caught on to actually, yeah. So it's valid. It's, the word is validating, isn't it? Validating um, that actually, yeah, this is really tough. Um, even though they can't necessarily express the, the word. And giving them words that are linked to loss, you know, helping them to put down on paper or whatever, you know, actually, I feel sad, I feel guilty, I feel a bit frustrated, I feel a bit angry that granddad died just when I was going to do my exams, actually. And now I feel guilty because I'm angry that granddad died when I was going to do my GCSE, except does that make sense? Yes. I guess all, all young people, what we're saying is that you know, all the young people we're working with will be experiencing loss in yeah. different ways, in their own unique ways. Are there young people who, because of other issues in their life or situations for them they might be it might be more complicated to deal deal with loss what 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 should yeah we there is resilience is a is an interesting word isn't it it's about the ability to bounce back and it's sort of not quite right in relation to bereavement it doesn't feel right because you're not talking about bouncing back but a few years ago i was involved with something called targeted mental health in schools and there was a table of uh, resilient children versus non-resilient and some of the risk oh it's risk factors some of the risk factors were around socioeconomic background um mental health difficulties within the family communication within the family um those who were more resilient interestingly included in it was belonging to a faith community was there other things like that but so we've got some children that were working with young people that they don't cope normally you know so Mm. it's very difficult suddenly with this it's suddenly sort of really enhanced i know the national youth agency produced a report recently where they were kind of guesstimating there'll be three was it three million young people emerging from lockdown are going to have all kinds of additional sort of mental health struggles because been triggered by COVID-19. Yeah, we, we don't sense, know. Yeah, we just don't know. I, I was just bringing up this um, this chart, you know, you say risk factors, um, alcohol, substance misuse, um, difficult temperaments, inconsistent discipline, socioeconomic background, already dealing with significant life events, family conflict. So that's on one side. Mm-hmm resilient young people, good networks, uh, good communication, positive attitude, good enough mental health, clear boundaries, etc., etc. So you can see 
Mm. You know, actually creating these safe networks, I think is so, it's one of the great things we could do. I mean, it's interesting, Pete, we've been sort of saying since the beginning of lockdown that so many of us as youth workers feel that we are just about keeping contact with young people. There are some, as you say, that are struggling to, to do the online bit. I know in, at Preston Minster, we've got a couple of teenagers that are having to sort of meet them and, 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 and connect with them slightly differently. They just don't want yeah. to zoom in or do the Facebook yeah. Live, whatever it is. Um, but, but actually to kind of say to ourselves as youth workers, actually that connection, is, that's, that's good. That's, that's actually a, a kind of a preventative factor isn't it actually it helps to build resilience and, yeah. and helps young people they're dealing with loss so just a little message to youth workers keep going even though Absolutely. it feels like quite yeah. a slog we might not be seeing growth either discipleship or numerically but actually what we're doing is very very important yeah you're building resilience yeah definitely Absolutely. resilience someone described as i can i have and i am so they can say i can I can skip, you know, I, um, I have, I have my auntie Gladys around the corner who I can talk to. I am uh, funny, I am uh, clever, etc. But you know the children that you meet and they just, you can't do, you know, I can't do that. I can't, no, it's too hard, I can't do that. Where the resilience is really low. And they're, they're the ones with the bereavement who will mm, struggle most. Really struggle the most. I guess we're talking about loss and we're talking about young people, rightly so. But you're also, Pete, talking to uh, wonderful youth workers who themselves are going to be facing loss and bereavement and grief. So that's a new space as well, isn't it? We always know as youth workers that we serve young people out of our own vulnerabilities and out of our own, you know sense that Jesus is healing us and bringing us wholeness yeah. but we're not we're not done yet <laughs> but specifically more now I think many of us feel gosh you know we really are um dealing with the stuff that our young people are dealing with so how do we how do we face our own needs for resilience at this yeah. time young people? What, what could we be doing it's so hard I actually found a questionnaire around um compassion fatigue and burnout it's on a yeah i couldn't send it out to anyone who wants it to email me um and i did it i did it to see if i was burning out actually unfortunately i wasn't but uh, yeah i wasn't on the low scale i was in the middle so that's a good thing to do find someone you know who you're accountable to um don't compare yourself how you cope with this current climate you know, if you see another youth worker, it's like, oh, they seem to be coping fine. You don't know. I've had two youth workers crying down the phone to me who I don't have connections with very often. I'm so lonely, I don't know what to do. You know, that's just really hard, you know. Um, so it's particularly important that we look after ourselves, that we get out and have our daily walk. I feel a real hypocrite because I actually haven't been out for a walk um, since uh, it's Friday today, Wednesday. <laughs> um, but yeah, we need to get out, get some fresh air, um, know our limits, switch off, watch rubbish TV. <laughs> um, don't watch 
every news thing that is on at the moment. I had to tell a, um, talk to a parent actually the other day because their, their child um, said, I, I'm getting really stressed by the news. Dad has the news on all the time and I'm, I don't like it. And I talked to the parents and they were really surprised. And I said, oh gosh, yeah, we'll stop having it on at dinner time because it was at dinner time. Dad needed to, he, he has to self isolate and he wanted to watch the news but yeah so for us as youth workers yeah straight on the on our mobile at, you know looking at the news first thing or last thing at night not good not good um time with god looking upwards not yeah, down. That's so helpful, Pete. Because we, because none of us have been here before, have we? And and we, oh. do, as you say, we don't know where this is going. But it's actually okay to to do this in in our way, isn't it? To kind of look after ourselves and not compare. Pete, you've been so insightful, and and we know that you've had you have many years behind you of working with some of the most vulnerable children and young people in this area. And we're so we're so grateful to you for your time today. We'd love you just to plug anything. So you've tantalisingly drawn in there that you do online webinars and stuff oh, and you've got I do everything. Yeah. So come, on, <laughs> come on this is your moment all right this is my chance okay <laughs> tough stuff someone has died journal is coming out it's on its way it's supposed to be it's with the printers and i think they're sending it out any day now five pound plus postage and package multiple discounts for more than one obviously pete at atalos.org email me and tell um, us about look, the journal what what is it so it's for you for you to do with a young person is it it's for yeah you could do it with a young person um it looks roughly like this is i wrote one around parental separation start wherever you like and yeah do it with a young person and um it looks yeah. amazing can i just say that artwork looks fantastic right. very yeah very we good. work with amazing amazing designers yeah on this so very exciting brilliant um, done some yeah. tough stuff journals one for parental separation and one for somebody has just died fantastic yeah, yeah. Do you the, offer online training as well pete is that something you do yeah i have been doing online training for the past three weeks actually it's all gone online as it has for everybody so yeah get in touch we can sort something out for, for you guys and um would love to to support you and give you uh, some resources yeah um at a loss.org um listening people page is me pete thank you so much for your time thank you Thanks, Rachel. And of course, Pete, uh, do check out uh, Pete's stuff online. Um, just one other big thing that we need to do before the end of this week's yes. podcast, which is yes. um, uh, we get to unveil something. I think we might be the first place people hear about something. It's exciting, isn't it? This is very exciting. And actually, for once in my little life, I know what you're about to unleash and reveal <laughs> and reveal and reveal and reveal and all the rest of it. So, Marcin, what is it? What is it? What is it? Tell so, us. So we have talked a little bit around this. We might have given you some clues uh, in recent weeks, but we are going to do a online youth work conference. Uh, yeah, I'm so pleased. How exciting. <laughs> so um, it's happening in July. It's quite soon. Uh, it's happening on the 16th and 17th of July, uh, which if you're good with calendars and dates, is actually a Thursday and a Friday. It's not a weekend exactly. Perfect. Part of the reason for that um, is that we did some feedback last weekend in our survey, our uh, weekly uh, 
uh, three by three survey. And actually uh, a lot of people fed back that Saturday would be a bit of a problem if we were to run mm. something online. I totally get that. So what we did was we just threw out the whole plan and came back with a new plan. And so we're running Thursday and Friday. Uh, so the event is called uh, Now What? And it's all very much focused on helping you to develop your vision for youth ministry over the next 12 months. And so there'll be a, a mix of kind of speakers and some seminars and hopefully some coaching available and um, a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Um, can't tell you any of the speakers yet. It's all top secret slash haven't booked them yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but the exciting the exciting thing is it is happening on so the evening of Thursday, the sixteenth, and then on the de- Friday the seventeenth daytime we're going to do some uh, content which specifically is tailored towards full timers or employed youth workers, mm-hmm. um, and then again we'll get everyone back together on the Friday evening and we'll have another session then. So it's sort of three sessions with a bit of a couple of other bits and bobs that you can dip in and out of. Um, and it's all, yeah, it's all focused on how we respond to this moment. What is next for youth ministry? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, now what 16th to the 17th of July, and there will be, uh, stuff on the website very soon. That is so, so brilliant. And I am, I, do you know what I'm really looking forward to about? I'm, I'm looking forward to having in my diary, um, a thing, like a solid thing that I know that the people I love most in all the world, fellow youth workers in the UK and beyond, will be kind of gathering around like little bees to honeypot. So although we're not going to be able to physically be meeting and we might only see limited faces online, I don't know, we don't know quite how that's going to work. Well, probably you guys and the team do. People like me don't need to know. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited at the prospect that people will be paying attention here and God will be speaking to us all uniquely in our own homes wherever we're tuning into this and I I know God can speak to us of course he does at any time and and God is speaking to youth ministry community absolutely but isn't there something beautiful Martin about that kind of shared commitment to tuning together not just to the voices that we hear from the screens but to the voice of the spirit because it's Mm. I was thinking recently, we, we don't know the future. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows the future. Jesus yeah. will lead us. Jesus opens up the future for us. But what we can do as leaders and followers is we can create the culture that means that whatever Jesus opens up for us, we and our team and the young people we serve can say yes to it. Yeah. And, I, and I just, and I love that, that idea that together we're going to be tuning into this space saying, we don't know what the future holds. None, none of us do. None of us are experts. We're all adventurers, but we want to be the leaders that create the culture that makes it possible to say yes to whatever it is. And so I'd really encourage you, even if you can only come for like one session of it, block the two, block those chunks of time out as, as, it, as your thing, even if you're going to come into to some things because you're looking after children or whatever it is you're doing. But this is, this is for you. Like, commit this time to Jesus and say, all the other stuff I'm doing as well, but will you speak to me on, on these things? I think I, I'm so excited. Give us the deets now, Martin. That's How do we get well involved? Put. How much does it cost? What do we have to wear? What do we have to eat? What's being sent through the post to us? Oh, well, you know, a lot of those things have got answers to them, actually. So the first important really? thing is it is, of course, absolutely free. Of course it's free. Absolutely free! Woohoo! Totally um, free. There is going to be a thing that we're going to send to you in advance. 
um, because that is our, our style. So you'll find out more about that in the coming uh, a couple of days. Um, can, there'll be a, can, I, can I be sent to some you, of these places? I would sent just love it. through the post oh, to people. I'd like, love it. Um, I'd love what was that? Flat Stanley. Flat Stanley. Did you ever read that? Yeah. Where he posted himself in an envelope? Oh, and I'd turn up with McDonald's. McDonald's breakfast. I'd love You'd that. certainly turn up smelling of McDonald's. I would. I would. <laughs> yeah, you would. But uh, yeah, it's completely free. Um, it's the 16th and the 17th of July. So that's very soon. We should probably mm. plan this. Um, there will be a host of brilliant speakers. I'd be shocked if Rachel Gardner isn't one of them. Um, no, I've done my bit. That was my preach. That oh, was you, we'll it. just That's we'll just like play that out again. Nothing else that comes. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it is of course completely in addition to and separate to the National Youth Ministry Weekend, uh, which is completely unaffected by this. This is a, a new thing um, that we're running for these. May I say, it for the first time in a while, unprecedented times. Um, and it's focusing really on how we as a youth ministry community emerge from that. I'm really excited about the way I, I want to go to this now, just hearing you pitch it back to me because, you know, the idea that God might have some plans that we could join in yes. with. I feel like someone, God does. Yes. someone needs some plans. So, and, uh, lo- and mostly God just really, really loves us. I mean, like mostly yeah. I think God's just going to be reminding us that he loves us and he's called us. And I think he will. And I think he will share some plans, but he won't give us too many details. He'll just give us lots of promises because we've got to stick close to hear the details. But he'll give us lots of promises of, of what he wants to do. So I think, I think it's going to be amazing. But it's also just going to be tough because we're not with each other physically. So we've got to get over that, haven't we? I can t- tell you dress code, though. Dress code should be snazzy as possible, top half. And then you wear as little, you can wear nothing on the bottom if you want. That's the beauty of this new world, isn't it? So yesterday I had this Zoom thing, and I thought being on this Zoom meeting I would be in screen. Yeah. Complicated relationship with how I'm seen on screen and the rest of it. So I was like, oh, I better make sure the top half is okay. So I I put a dress on, but I put a dress on over the jeans that I was wearing and big bother boots, and then sat in the chair ready for this Zoom thing, and then laughed my head off. And of course, I'm I'm not on the screen, and just oh. thought I just I'm just sat here looking like a total fraud wearing a dress over jeans. But anyway, so you can do whatever the heck you like. You <laughs> yeah. can wear whatever you like. But I think we can have some really fun, subversive little kind of Insta, TikTok, yeah. WhatsApp. Twitter, Twitter, like hashtags. You're just naming just, things. You're just saying yeah, words I'm just now. Saying, I'm just saying words. Fortnite. We're up for some ideas. If you want to send us your ideas, send them to uh, <laughs> podcast, podcast at youthscape.co.uk or, any, or anything you like. All ideas. <laughs> I'm wondering whether we should do a quiz. Is it too much? Should we do the giant youth ministry quiz night one night or is it just, <laughs> have we just had enough quizzes now? Because I've run, not joking, I, I have written and run 11 quizzes for friends and family now. No. And I'm feeling like we may be at no. quiz saturation point. Do you want me to do another one? Oh, gosh. I think we probably are at saturation point, aren't we? But it is so fun. I, I do think Zoom quizzes are one of my favourite things in lockdown, actually, yeah. because people get so competitive. And that's the fun. I think there are some people that do the quiz, like the quiz. The rest of us just sit back with our popcorn, just watching the competitive people implode. It's just so funny. So good. But no. we've got a date and we've got a name. Yes, so that's it's called, very it's called Now What? So, and biblically, when you name things, you, you make... you bring them into existence so biblically this is a thing in it it's a thing wow so so much to unpack that's (laughs) that's surely enough for another edition of the youthscape podcast a wide-ranging discussion today uh rachel is off to um probably mcdonald's 
I, I've got to go back there, definitely. I'm off to plan uh, literacy for Monday morning. Um, <laughs> we love you, we miss you. <laughs> we'll see you soon. 